I think it's a challenge that a lot of companies face, uh, especially when you do a really good job in one thing. You get identified as, oh, you're the best you know, maker of this. People just don't think of you because that kind of mental yeah. space is kind of blocked out. That's exactly what's happened. Hello and welcome to Make It, Move It, Sell It on this podcast. I talk with company leaders about how they're modernizing the business of making, moving, and selling products. And of course, having fun along the way. I'm your host, Adam Honig, the CEO of Spiro.ai. We make amazing AI software for companies in the supply chain, but we're not talking about that today. Instead, today, we're going to be talking with Keith Smith, the CEO of Vonco Products. Welcome to the podcast, Keith. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Excited to be here. I'm excited. You and I had a chance to talk the other day, and I just I told you, Keith, I'm like, I need to get this guy on the podcast. He's got so many great ideas. But you know what? Before we jump into that, maybe just give the listeners a little bit of background on Vonco and yourself. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Vonco Products is a medical device contract manufacturer and uh, flexible packaging provider for medical devices and consumer products. Uh, we've been around since 1955. I haven't been around that long, but I've been part of this amazing journey since 2013 as uh, an owner and operating partner of, of the business. Super exciting business that has gone through tremendous changes and evolution to provide some really neat disposable products for the medical device industry and some of the major med device names and Becton Dickinson, Johnson & Johnson, Boston Scientific, the major companies that we do business with on a routine basis to help them create life-changing and life-saving products for their patients. Now, I know you said contract manufacturing. So is everything that you guys are making basically to the customer's specification? Yeah, uh, the majority of it is. is we're a very innovative company, Adam. We'll make some of our own products and launch them, but for their benefit. Uh, we can be a, a strong extension to the product development arm of many of our medical device customers. But uh, the majority of what we do, I'd say uh, 80% of what we do is to our customers' specifications. Gotcha. So, and I imagine in the medical device space, people are kind of conservative about how they want their products to look and stuff like that. But is there something that comes to mind that was more innovative or creative that you guys worked on? Yeah, certainly. From our standpoint, we'll run a, a project through what we call a, a white space analysis, find areas that are a bit underserved. And one of the recent award-winning product launches is called Entralock. And Entralock is an enteral feeding uh, pouch that uh, allows nutrition to be directly connected to tubes. And it also aligns with some safety features that are going on worldwide. It's called NFIT, so Entralock. It is a safety feature for all tube feeders that uh, allows no misconnections. So there's only one type of connection that can positively connect to that tube so we don't put the wrong things down the wrong Tube. Right, right. And so uh, we've designed a, a pouch and a filling process to allow this to happen and get nutrition. It's very difficult to feed yourself when you're on, on tubes. Yeah. And so there's a lot of steps and processes involved, and we've aimed to simplify it and bring better nutrition and attack malnutrition because of the complexity of feeding. 
it's been an amazing product and an amazing reception in the market. Wow, that's that's great. And so just, you know, for people who are not as familiar with this type of system, this is like in a hospital setting for providing uh, nutrition to people who can't eat normally, I imagine. Yeah, it's both, uh, Adam. There's been an amazing progress that the healthcare system has made to try to get people home. It's one, very expensive to stay in the hospital, mm. but two, you know, if most patients desire to get to their own comfort of their own homes. And so, you know, healthcare has come a long way to allow that. So you have to bring this feeding home as well. So you've got the in-hospital system, you've got somewhat of a at-home nursing system, and then you've got self-care. Yeah. And so you've really got three different areas to administer this product and make it work for all three. Gotcha. And so you, you had kind of mentioned the creative aspect of it. So this is the creativity here is really getting it to make sure that it connects properly and that it fits well within the environment that people are using it? Is that? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, uh, the world has kind of come up with this standard. So that was not necessarily the most difficult part is really figuring out how we can take this unique connector now and fill it. Ah. And so and get the nutrition in it in a way that it's going to be affordable to patients and consumers. The supply chain system that we put together along with the product development allowed us to be able to mass produce these and get healthy nutrition directly connected into the NFIT uh, connector. Wow, super interesting. One of the things I was hoping we could talk about today on the podcast is a little bit about what I think of as your sales journey, Keith. When you and I were talking earlier, you were telling me how you were kind of reinventing sales at Vanco. Maybe just tell folks a little bit of the background about what made you decide to jump into that. I've been obviously watching the journey for over 10 years at Vanco, and, and I just have had this feeling that we're the best kept secret. Uh, we've been making amazing products for amazing companies that do amazing things every day. But yet, in many of the cases, we only had one or two product lines within these uh, amazing companies. When we asked our customers, how are we doing? It's typically a resounding, you guys are doing a great job. So then the question is, why aren't we getting other opportunities in these companies? And so that had me being very curious and trying to dig in and, and answer that question. But you don't have a sales background, right? Your background is more... I, no, no. You know, I, I've done some sales and marketing in some other, other areas of uh, my career, but it's, you know, mostly it's been an operations and technical background for sure, and a bit of strategy and general management. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is something that as I got curious about it, I, I said, how can I personally help this? And one of the things I needed to do is a bit of a visualization effort since I haven't spent a ton of time in sales. And I, I actually hired some folks to help me in the sales journey, but I really felt the pull myself to say, this is something I need to dig into myself. And so starting that visualization and creating a vision for myself, basically an avatar for myself, what does the best sales leaders look like in my industry and start talking about what they do and how they say and how they show up and how they manage and how they lead and how do they interact with customers. And that's how it all started. And from there, it just became really a tenacious obsession around how we can help our sales team become even better, but also create value for our customers. And you know, it's clear to me through the interviews that we are creating value, but our opportunities and our abilities to tell that story seem to be limited. And so that's really the obsession I've been on for 
a little over a year, and it's been a great journey and tremendous progress in the sales team, in the sales process, in our results, and so uh, having a ton of fun with it. So, so I'm super curious, Keith, when you asked customers why they weren't doing more business with you, were, were they not aware of the other things you could do, or timing wasn't right, or what were you hearing? Yeah, we, we weren't aware of what you guys are doing. We didn't even really think about you guys for these other products. You know, you guys just did a nice job there. You weren't asking, really. That was the majority of what we were hearing, and yeah, we've just been on on a journey to let our customers know and find new ways to let them know all the good things that we're doing from a quality standpoint, from a service standpoint, from a product development standpoint, how we're taking risk off the table for our customers. So those are certainly areas that came loud and clear of what they're looking for in their suppliers. And we're like, yes, we have that. Yes, we have that. Yes, we have that. So we we need to do a better job of presenting that story. I think it's a challenge that a lot of companies face, especially when you do a really good job in one thing, you get identified as, oh, you're the best, you know, maker of this, you know, and then people just don't think of you because that kind of mental space is kind of blocked out somehow. That's exactly what's happened. And it kind of flies in the face of the strategy that we have. We've made three acquisitions over the last three years to have a broader portfolio to service the target customers. We're very customer centric. It's really a small group of customers we want to do really well with. As we look at what they purchase and what they're doing, we want to be able to provide top-level service, service they haven't seen before. And when we acquire these companies, it's opened it up. And so we do have a little bit of storytelling, which is recent to do, to make sure that everyone is aware of the breadth of product and service and integration that we have at Monaco Products. Did you kind of come up with some sort of process, like a quarterly business review or something to kind of bake that into the... Yeah, for sure. You bring up partnership reviews is certainly a very important part of a customer-centric company is to, to really spend the time with our customers talking about what's gone well, what's not going well, how do we fix it, what can we rectify. If it is going well, how do we create that value across the rest of your organization So that's a big part of it. It's come down to, and this is something that uh, is big in every facet and area of my life, is the discipline of following a rigorous process Mm -hmm. through the sales journey. And for me, as a sales leader, it it comes down to the big four that I manage, which is really end-of-day reports, like uh, really having the pulse every day on how many calls did we conduct, how many calls did we schedule, what was the qualitative process there? Did it advance? If it didn't advance, what's the obstacle? Are there things that I can help with there? So that's an end of day report. And then data, right? You know, I find that sales teams, they need to be inspired. They need to have clarity. They need to have the vision, but they're also very competitive. And so having public scoreboards of how many calls did I book? How many calls did I conduct? How many trials did I book? How many things did I commercialize? So the scoreboards are certainly the second leg of it. The third is meetings, is really having inspiring meetings that uh, help provide clarity, also some accountability amongst the team, uh, and that's individual meetings and team meetings, as well as then finally, what I've really come to love is video review and Hmm. actually watching and doing a quality check on sales calls. And so I think that that's a big part of our learning process of how we can bring more value to our customers and make sure we're not missing opportunities to talk about how we can create value uh, for the customer. For me individually, it's been great to be able to provide that feedback, but the team has literally been able to 
do this publicly with each other. These meetings are so rich and so awesome to watch each other give positive and some constructive feedback to each other. It's just they feed off each other. We call it steel sharpened steel. And so we've got a great team, highly knowledgeable, and they help each other just get better and better. Salespeople are not known for being disciplined and following processes. <laughs> and so it sounds yeah. to me like you're helping them by kind of putting a structure in place for them to operate within. Am I hearing that properly? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, we, I sat down and thought about this. At the end of the day, just like running an operation or running an innovation project, there's a process. There's a process to it. And just like any manufacturing process, it can be tweaked. If we can stay disciplined to that, uh, we start to see much better results. You know, I hope they don't uh, get too frustrated with me sharing this, but it's it was tough that, you know, that I think that, you know, so many sales folks believe it's just their personality that makes or breaks it. You know, there was a lot of pushback almost every step of the way from folks. Should we adopt this or not? And it just takes change management and constant that discipline of follow-up and accountability towards getting those results recorded, getting the, the meetings recorded, showing up prepared for the meetings with the information that we need, doing your end-of-day reports, providing the obstacles that uh, are getting in our way. And sometimes, too, is we have to let things go. A big term we use is closed loops. Do you have a closed loop on this or not? If it's just sitting open, move on. Let's get it out of our pipeline. Let's stop talking about it. And I don't think that my team necessarily likes that, likes to lose these things off the pipeline. They want to show that they're busy and adding value. Again, they're very competitive. So they want that stuff in the pipeline. But if you don't have these activities complete, the discipline done, it's not going to stay there. It's been rewarding and and fun. And in medical device, it's a long sales uh, cycle. So it's a, a little bit difficult to judge it based on just top line, but the leading indicators have been tremendous over the last uh, six months. Well, that, that's great. You know, I, I'd love to hear more about making meetings fun because I feel like there's a lot of people who just really resist having meetings, you know, so I think if I could make them more fun, if everybody could make them more fun, that'd be great. How do you do that? Or inspiring, maybe you said. First of all, I think selling, but anything in life is about confidence. And the first thing we start with in each one of the meetings is wins and stack the wins. Like it's tough. Sometimes the momentum's not there. We got some, you know, the team seems a little sluggish. The energy's down. So it it takes a little bit and I might need to stir it, but I know we've got that inspiration going and that confidence going is like where everyone's right up in the front of the camera waiting to talk about the next one and the next one. I just call it stacking the wins, right? And that positive energy that comes from stacking wins uh, is how we start. And then we go into what we call our cultural operating principles, uh, a lot of the behaviors that exemplify our core values. And so these are very good opportunities to give a lot of shout outs for people that are doing a great job there. So we start almost every meeting with that sales or, or the rest of the organization Uh, Just giving shout outs to people that are exemplifying the behaviors that really are represent our core values. And so those are those are really rich. Gotcha. And so that just kind of gets the team in the right mindset to participate then. Yeah. And you you said there was a little bit of resistance to getting going. Did you experience a lot of turnover as a part of putting more discipline in sales? Because I think that's a big fear. that The answer is yes, but it it wasn't voluntary turnover. Okay. People didn't want to get on board, right? And we had to show that we're serious about that there is a process here. So yeah, yeah, I think 
when you make change like this, you've got to be open-minded to, you know, what turnover might have to occur. Some cases we move people into different positions and sometimes there wasn't a spot for them to, to move to. Now, I know from looking at your uh, blog, which I believe is at KeithSmith.io, for those of you tracking at home here, that you're kind of big into visualization, it seemed to me, like putting yourself and the company and the team in the right spot. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that for yourself? Yeah, it's creating an avatar. And so just like I did with this sales leadership, I've created some avatars in the past to help me frame the person I want to be. How do I want to show up? Here's my intention. This is what I want. And now I need to I need to be that, right? I need to show up to lead uh, the organization, the sales team, my family, whatever that case might be. So this visualization process is usually done through a little bit of meditation and journaling of how this person shows up. You know, I like I said, with the sales leadership is I think back to some of the best people that have sold me in the past. How have they come in? How have they carried themselves? What do they do? You know, what do they look like? What do they wear? Right. You get down to that detail of starting to understand what it takes to be that person that you want to be. Right. It's not trying to be somebody else. I intentionally want to be that. So how do I look at other examples and make that my avatar? So it's really a a process of taking a step outside of yourself in a way and saying, you know, how do I kind of close that gap of where I want to be? Well, it's a perfect saying for, you know, what leaders should be doing on a lot is getting up at 30 and 50,000 foot view and looking at that company and what does the company need and how do I help fill that gap? You know, I can't fill every role, but I also... For what I am planning on doing, this is how I need to show up to help the rest of the organization put their visions together of how they need to show up or what type of person I need to be hiring so that they'll show up that way. Gotcha. You know, talking to a lot of leaders, people struggle to find the time to step back and get that kind of perspective. How do you find that? How does that work for you? I think I struggled with it for most of my career, maybe up until about five years ago. I had to just really start to find something to create some intentionality in my own energy. And that's really what I latched on to, Adam, is is this concept of managing energy. And that's like my website. It's really my mantra is cultivating infectious energy. And, and the only way I feel I can do that effectively is manage my own energy first so that it's just overflowing and it's passing on to others. You know, and I'll speak to other entrepreneurs as a passion of mine as well as helping other earlier, younger entrepreneurs understand how draining it can be from a mental standpoint in trying to get a business up off the ground or managing or buying businesses, just entrepreneurial spirit and how to balance that with the rest of your your physical energy, your, your emotional energy, your spiritual energy. How do you balance all that? The more I do balance that, the better leader I am. But I think we get stuck really in what's called the business aspect and you burn your mental energy and you're, you're really, you might not be working out. You might be gaining weight. You might not feel uh, the most fit. Your health is in trouble. You're struggling potentially with your family, your home. You feel like no energy when you get home. These are all things I felt for many years is I can't even imagine after a long day of work, walking into the house now and dealing with whatever's there. And so those are challenges. Now all these things feed me and fuel me to be a more well-rounded leader of business, my community, my family. Managing that energy is really important. And I just kick off the day with that, right? It's easy for that to 
disappear. I have a rise and shine routine that, you know, I get up and there's two hours I spend really working on myself before I get into an or- the organization where it's going to be a lot of pouring into other people. So one, one technique that you shared, which I think is very powerful, is creating an avatar and stepping into that role and stepping outside of yourself to get to it. The other thing that you just mentioned, which I think is super important too, is getting set you know, with the intentionality of what you want to be accomplishing and not just letting it be reactive to everything that's kind of coming at you in in your role, in my role, all the time, customers, employees are coming at us. And so I'm hearing that's a key technique for you. Is is there other advice that you would give entrepreneurs or leaders of organizations? Well, I think it's great timing here, Adam. I'm not sure when you'll air this, but uh, we're coming into the new year. And I think we all understand the resolution setting We'll see a bunch of podcasts around resolutions here rolling out here shortly. It seems to happen all the time. But I I found the most effective way of achieving those resolutions is actually writing yourself a letter as if the year's over. So you, you write your vision for 2024 as if it's over and how you felt as you accomplished the things that you set out to do what it took, the discipline that it took to accomplish what you you set out for and congratulating yourself at the end of the year with those wins. Instead of saying, hey, I want to do this because I don't want that, here's really what I did achieve at the end of the year as if it's already been done is an amazing difference in resolution setting that seems to really solidify it. Yeah, yeah, I can see how that can work. And I I see how it ties into your theme because you're kind of creating an avatar of the way you would be in a year from now and saying, I want to get to that point. That is 100% correct. Yeah, right on. This is great stuff, Keith. I really appreciate your coming on the podcast and sharing it. I think we will be running this around uh, the New Year's, so hopefully it'll inspire people. And and I think, you know, based upon what I'm hearing from you, it seems like people should not just make a resolution and walk away from it. They should be coming back to that letter and that persona that they are trying to get to during the year. For sure. If you take it another step, just create that vision board with that that feeling, that finish, let's call it, for instance. Right. Cool. Well, listen, as a reminder to our listeners, you can find every episode of the Make It, Move It, Sell It podcast at spiro.ai backslash podcast or be sure to subscribe. And, uh, you know, if you thought this conversation was interesting, enlightening, you know, feel free to give us a good review, a like. What do you think, Keith? Should people do something like that? Yeah, for sure. If you don't mind, uh, pop out to keithsmith.io and send a note there as well and follow my blogs. But Adam, thank you for sure. Certainly, uh, your support. Yeah, it's been great to have you on here, and uh, we look forward to speaking to everybody at the next podcast. Yeah.